That was My Vishnu Orchestra with the Meeting of Spirits. We're going to move on with a uh, delicious piece of uh, perversity by a band called Fractura. This is Gold Spectrum. My name is Antonio Pittman. You're listening to The Gates of Delirium, where we plumb the depths of human anxiety and seek relief in the small intervals of fleeting enjoyment that must, unfortunately, most of the time, pass for contentment in this troubled early 21st century time. The neuroses that plague us may or may not be endemic to the human condition. They may be a product of these particular times. They may be singular and avoidable and ultimately the consequence of what we see, hear, think, touch, taste, and are told to believe in the first five years of our lives is the script from which we will read for the remainder of them. The script can be changed. We are its editors, but we are not the final decider. Breaking out of the script is very rare. Very difficult and it takes a lot of concentration. The awareness is the key. Awareness of a problem. Awareness of an absence. Of a loneliness. Of an inability to bridge the divide between oneself and the world that seems alien unapproachable. The divide is not real. You are free.
This is Gentle Giant. going to provide you with the soundtrack to your own regeneration. If I can find it, we're going to find it be a 
play a piece from Coliseum 2. Which was a resurrection of the initial Coliseum. They put out three albums in the mid 70s. This album was called War Dance Coliseum.
The name of this band is Locanda della Fate. The name of the track is unintelligible to me. It looks beautiful. It's in Italian. It's long. Just like this song. This is nine and hour, nine minutes and forty-eight seconds of luscious Italian Prague from the seventies. Locanda del Fate. Thank you. 
qualcuno venderà Coming to the end of my time here at the Gates Delirium, we are listening now to the best sneezes come in threes. We're listening to Sohia. Name of that track from a band called Magma. 
My name is Antonio Pickman. I have been your host this evening here at the Gates of Delirium. A weekly installment of the best of prog rock from around the world. We'll be back next week. At 6 o'clock. We once again would like to thank the sponsors of the program. Sackbutt and Kremhorn, the prestigious law offices of criminal representation for whom no moral bar is too high. They will go to any grant, any lengths, to secure the outcome that is in the best interest of you and them. Justice be damned. And of course, our first and uh, dearest sponsor, Alfred's World of Trousers. Alfred believes in our mission here at the Gates of Delirium. That's why he puts his money where his mouth is. Where you should put your money is in his extensive array of trousers. It's an emporium of your dreams. Trousers should play a more important part in everyone's lives. The choice should not be made lightly. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie. song, my turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter, it's jokes to Carl, that's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that, don't follow me now, follow me later, I mean for right now. Welcome, 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 welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-R-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Carl, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're in rare form, but it's not so rare. Thanks for having me. I'm always excited at the beginning of the show. This is a two-hour show, so we start off our show fresh. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can by using our acronym. It's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We have a fantastic YouTube channel that Carl uh, moderates, I guess, or tolerates. I mean, we watch a full-length movie on YouTube. And we do this every week. We stream first on mutinyradio.fm. We're on it right now, every Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m. Hawaii. What is it, Mountain? It's 11 a.m. Hawaii time, (laughs) 2 p.m. Los Angeles time, 5 p.m. Jersey City time. 
Wait a minute. You don't call it San Francisco time anymore, you snub. You're L.A. now. I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, well, the station does broadcast from L.A. and uh, from right. uh, San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yes. Yes. Listen, people, call it Frisco. Just do it. Bite the bullet. Be Do something new. Call it Frisco. Oh, yes. Well, you know, back in my hometown of San Fran. Mm. Ooh. Oh, uh. the gay area. How dare you call it? Just call it Frisco. Frisco. People call it Frisco. There's no no shame in the game. San Fran is a shameful thing, but, you know, people Janice learn. Janis Joplin called it Frisco. Uh-huh. Hippies call it Frisco. Yeah. William yeah. S. Burroughs called it Frisco. Yeah, and he shot his wife. Oh, that doesn't mean you. Okay, never mind. So it's a rich history of the Bay Area. MutinyRadio.fm is part of it. You can go to MutinyRadio.fm, hit the donation button, send some money. You can send it through Venmo at Mutiny Radio. Helps the station out a lot. We're going to watch a full length movie on YouTube. We want you to listen to the show as audio while watching the video on YouTube at the same time for a multimedia extravaganza. Oh, it's titillating. Multimedia. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, Carl, what is the movie today? Today we are watching <clears throat> Finders Keepers, 1984. Finders Keepers, 1984. I don't need to spell that for you. And the channel we like is a little weird. It looks like 4YPMOE, but it's not a 4. It's like a Greek symbol or a Russian symbol or a Eastern. It looks like a foreign print of the movie, but it is actually in English. So don't, don't fret. Mm -hmm. They were able to, to post it. So go ahead, find the Greek Russian letters. It's the only one that has. Wait a second. Keep I'm mistaken. The channel's called PYCTAM. PYCTAM. Sorry about that. Oh, I think that's the same one I have. Okay. All right, well, sounds good. So here's the trick we want you to go into your YouTube and don't worry, take your time. We're going to have a fantastic segment right before the movie. So chill out, all right? But the movie's called Finders Keepers, 1984. You're going to find a foreign link. That is, of course, you are a cis white male like us in, in America. It looks pretty foreign to us. It is Greek <laughs> or Russian. It's Y-A-P-B-Y. Anyway, click the link. This is the only one is full name. Hit pause. Move your timer to zero, zero, zero. And when we say go, uh, go ahead and hit the go button. So take your time. We're really excited. The person who's going to say go is a celebrity comedian as mm -hmm. part of our weekly celebrity comedian countdown with Carl. And this is a great segment that Carl produces. He talks to one of the many great comics out here uh, in the Bay Area and uh, in Los Angeles in New Jersey. Uh, Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Ryan Lodge. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I say Ryan Lodge, but that's not how you appear on Facebook. You're Ryan Patrick on Facebook. I mean, could you get any more Irish? What's up there? How can you <laughs> name? I know. You can't trust somebody with two first names, right? Um, so I, I guess, uh, yeah, my real name is Ryan Lodge, but my, uh, I guess my stage name is Ryan Patrick, honestly, because uh, my wife is a teacher. And uh, not that I do any kind of crazy material that would you know be deemed offensive or you know rated nc-17 but just in case i always do my uh my first and my middle name oh so. your middle name is patrick so that's how you arrived at that 
Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to think. I was like, should I get something cool? But I couldn't think of anything cool. And then if it's like too forced, then it doesn't. It, it would just look weird. And then do I go just by Ryan? And I'm like, ah, I don't think I can pull that off. Like, right. So I just did the first and middle name. So when people bring you up, you are Ryan Patrick. For the most part, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still a couple people, and this is somewhat recent um, that I've kind of started going by Ryan Patrick, I guess. Uh, it's somewhat recent. So I will get, you know, Ryan Lodge here and there, but to be honest, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. As long as my stuff, you know, that's in writing on the internet is Ryan Patrick, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that makes sense. And you don't know what people will get um offended by or have a complaint about you know or exactly mentioned yeah because you know so you are down in like south jersey you do a lot of philly stuff how long have you been doing comedy and you have you been ba basically based out of there the whole time uh no so actually i grew up in south jersey i grew up right outside of uh like cherry hill uh way down south and i live up in uh like right north of Marstown, kind of close to wayne and so i live in north jersey and i've done comedy for i feel like it's been on and off forever i remember i started uh well i try keyword is tried I tried comedy for the first time when I was in college and I bombed in like front of maybe 150 people. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And it was seven minutes of silence and I went in like feeling so confident feeling good. And it was a brutal bomb. So I stopped stand up, but I shifted over to improv and I did about three years of improv in Philadelphia. Then I moved up North um with my girlfriend now wife at the time and i found uh there's a theater called rhino theater in suffern and did improv there for about i think it was like two years and eventually i just got the stand-up bug i'm like i gotta do it and ever since then it's been 100 percent stand-up uh i love it. it's like a beautiful What's the word? It's a beautiful struggle, I guess you could say, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, I know you do comedy at Rhino. I know that you're the host there on Thursdays very often for their mics. There's two mics there. So what, it was a natural transition from improv to comedy there, or did you go away and come back again? No, it was funny. Like, while I was doing improv, um, the woman that owns the theater, Maria, she... Yeah. Uh, she she gave me a chance and she's like oh you should try hosting the open mics for stand-up and i'm like oh i don't know if i can do that like i was freaking out and i'm like okay fine i'll try it and i tried it and it was a lot of fun and the people are so freaking awesome like all the comedians like i, I think a lot of people out that that aren't uh, actively doing comedy or have always thought about doing comedy I don't think they realize how awesome of a community it is and how friendly everybody is it's it's awesome it's it's so cool so once I started doing um hosting open mics that's when I got the bug and I just really wanted to get more and more involved with stand-up and started just doing open mics and just kind of really dove into it so if anybody is thinking about it uh definitely do it nobody is intimidating they might people might look intimidating but comedians are awesome people 
Now, you've also got it going on on YouTube. You're working on this pilot. It's called New Joke City. Now, I know you're not old enough to remember New Jack City. That's <laughs> where that title comes from. You, what, Richie Dugan and DC are with you there. Tell me about this pilot. Yeah, so it's called uh, New Joke City. And what the idea behind it is uh, Richie Dugan ended up having this idea. He wanted to interview comics. And he also wanted to kind of show uh, the contrasting of material on the street and in an actual club. So they, I got super lucky. They wanted me to host the, the show. And I said, of course, it's such a great idea. And this other guy, DC in the city, he's in video production, super, super professional. And he takes these ideas and makes them a reality. So uh, Richie and DC, they work together. And for the past, uh, what is it, October, July, I'd say like three, four months, um, we've interviewed almost 10 comedians just in the streets of New York City, whether it was in the Bronx, Washington Square Park, uh, Union Square Park. And then we'll actually do a five minute set in public uh, in front of oh, really? random people. Yeah. So that's been so interesting. You see so many different characters, and it's great to just see the city just, what's the word I'm looking for? Raw? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, raw. And then turn on the camera, and whatever happens, <laughs> happens you're doing street comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then magic. It, it's, it's, it's really cool. And then at the end of the series, um, like after every five, six comedians we interview, uh, they they put on a show like an actual uh like an actual show with all those comedians featuring and you get to see i guess the difference between that material working on the street the same exact material working on stage in a club and the difference is unbelievable yeah i'm sure there's a contrast there now dc is dave carey is he from dc no 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 he's uh he's from central jersey but uh, but yeah, we started working together uh, during the pandemic, actually, um, through Zoom comedy. So yeah, crazy how it just kind of all worked out like that. Yeah, Zoom, it's a new world, and I don't think it's going away quick. I think it eventually will go away, but it'll be years now that we all know about it, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, Ryan, how can people find you out there on the internet, on social media? What's your tags and, and uh, on the Twitter grams and the Snapple chats? Oh, man. Well, let's see. I, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Ryan, <laughs> as Ryan Patrick. Ryan. Um, I think on Instagram, my name is Ryan Patrick Comic. Very uh, original. Um, and I'm not really on Twitter that much. I just feel like... During the day, I don't know. Some people tweet all throughout the day. I kind of wish I had that time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm mainly just on Instagram and Facebook. And then um, and then YouTube. YouTube will have New Joke City come out. Uh, I think it's around November we'll have everything out and about. And, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. So, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. So this should be airing in November. So people go out there and look for New Joke City. I think this is the, uh, if you want to be entertained, I mean, you know, with the street comedy and everything, I think this is the one to check out. 
So, oh, yeah. Okay, now everyone at home is poised to watch this movie with us in the studio. We're all going to press play at the exact same time. So, Ryan, why don't you take it away and give us that celebrity comedian countdown? Okay, ready? I've been practicing, so <clears throat> hopefully this is good. All right, ready? Three, two, one, go. That was awesome. That was a great comedian, uh, celebrity comedian countdown, Carl. I, I thought so. Yeah. And we're going to start off with a unicorn. It's a CBS theatrical films, which I think Young Doctors in Love, uh, directed by Gary Marshall, was the first one. And then they had a big, like, drama hit. And then they had movies like this. Yeah. That's right. This was a serious movie. It was a Hollywood movie. It was seven million dollar budget, and they made over one million. So it was a good flop. So it was a seven million dollar budget. Yeah, and they made back one point something. Yeah, is it because their title credit looks like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, of TV show? <laughs> that's just the that's just the eighties for you. No, maybe it's Michael O'Keefe, the the one no one remembers from Caddyshack. That is right. He is the guy you know from Caddyshack. And he oh, got that nice him. Irish girl pregnant. Isn't he married to or was married to a country star? Bonnie Raitt, of all people. I'll oh. be right back. I just have to let the dogs in because, unfortunately, Mutiny Radio Studio will not open the door for me. Hold on. I know. That's a terror. Well, we are setting up here in a mansion. A nice little airless movie. This is directed by Richard Lester. Who of course made those delightful Beatle movies and those less delightful Superman sequels, but he has a very deft touch. Not the next a good movie. I like that movie. Saw that. I like his Beatles movies. Help is funny. So this is kind of like a uh, parading down Broadway movie, as the jokes will be <laughs> parading down Broadway. Carl, don't you think the jokes will be Pamela St Stevenson? And what we're seeing right now is a sort of break-in, but the truth is it's the daughter and a lover, and they know right where the safe is, and they know the codes, and they're going to sure. take a bunch of money. As a matter of fact, it'll be $5 million. and that's $5 million in 1984 dollars. So, you know, right. it's pretty pretend money because it's a script any old way, so it's worth zero real dollars. They're going to heist it right now. Look, she's got to hold the bag. She would make a lousy deal or no deal uh, spokeswoman. <laughs> the joke that happened here is she was like ready to, oh, my lover, and kiss him and have a passionate moment. And he's like, come on, come on, open the safe. Uh, she's still trying to seduce him? It, seduce is not the word. They're already together. She's trying to be romantic, and he's just not interested. And you're right. This is Pamela Stevenson. Um she, Sorry, I had to hear what music was playing. There they go in their already rich person's car, but they're stealing $5 million. Who, um, is that Jim Carrey? No, Jim Carrey will show up, though. But well, his name showed up. It's in the credits. Yeah. Don't get excited for him. It's his second film ever, and he has a... It isn't a bit part, but it kind of is. You'll see. He does okay, but you don't know he's a talented person he just does his job which is to his character is like a dummy so he just acts like he's dumb. What, what was his first movie oh um his all, all 
All in Good Taste, 1983, was his first movie. Now, Ooh, I would, yeah, you think that's one of those sketch comedy show movies? I, yeah, but that's the thing. I, I did not research Jim Carrey. We all know who he is and so much about him. So I didn't look it up. We so didn't I don't know what kind up. of film it yeah. was or his history. You know, the elevator pitch, they, that's how they got the music. They were in the elevator and they heard the music and they said, perfect. Open credits. <laughs> the only thing I looked up for Jim Carrey was what was he doing exactly at the second this film was made? What he was Oakland. doing. Hey, there's Mr. Sandwich. This is Oakland. I guess this is the Greyhound or the. Uh... Okay. This is pretending to be Oakland, California, but the truth okay. is it's Alberta, Canada. Interesting, because I've been to the train station in Oakland, and uh, I can't place it. Well, I was going to bring that up to you, because we're going to see the train station um, and its sign and everything. And, and you, you're going to probably laugh, because it's certainly not Oakland, California. Well, it's a famous station. It's where Jack London Square uh, is, and they have mm -hmm. a, a long uh, street perpendicular to the pier, and there's a, tr you know, a train uh tracks on that street and long gotcha. but there's there's an amtrak nearby there like if you're in san francisco and you're like oh i am cosmopolitan i would like to take an amtrak from Francisco. <laughs> you would go on a bus and the bus would take you to oakland mm -hmm. and from oakland that's the same with greyhound uh the greyhound will take you to uh the start of the the bus line in oakland no i think it stops off there but I, i've taken the amtrak i you know the train you had to go take a bus over there but it's fun it's a beautiful spot so he's managing a roller derby crew yeah okay so we're meeting michael o'keefe here his name is michael rangeloff and what he is is like uh, a sort of he's not really a con man or something he's just going from odd job to odd job trying to scam people and do stuff and currently yeah he's the coach of a rollerball team you know and he like uh sorry roller no roller ball that came, that game must have existed back in 84. well the movie was out everyone knew roller right yeah there was two movies there's a remake uh yeah there was yeah yeah so this is in between remake uh in between movies i really enjoyed the first one i thought it was really good and it had sunny from godfather in it <laughs> yeah right it had a lot of solar uh roller balls I don't like solar babies. No, oh, have you ever seen all the marbles? Wasn't that a, no? It was a wrestling movie with Peter Falk. No, I didn't. Do you recommend it for my DVD? No, Drew Drew Barrymore is in a good movie called Whip It. I would recommend that, and that's with uh, Andrew. Uh, okay, Wilson. Whip It. Drew. Andrew Wilson from Church Ball is in Whip It, and it's about. Oh. Drew Barrymore joining a roller boogie, a roller disco derby. Okay, team. I'll check it out. And there if you was see, a... uh, look at that, comedic, entering Oakland. So is this really Oakland? No, it's Alberta, Canada. Look at that tower there. You ever see that in Oakland? No, i never seen that pointy tower. <laughs> <laughs> never seen a house like that. Okay, oh, no, here so is like, now it's a crime scene. And so the cops will be there and the FBI will come in. <clears throat> Look, I got to try to get this dog in again. I'm sorry. 
area. This is not California. No, this is North Carolina, right? Then they they announced where the house was. Oh, look at this! The same actor was playing the. He's he's late for Felix and Oscar's poker game. You don't think that cop is like an husband and everything? I think so. Oh no, I got an ad. Jeepers creepers. No, I didn't get an ad. It's just the same movie. It just switched. We're at a church. Maybe it's an ad for Jesus Christ. Hey, okay, movie I'm patrons. Back. They're both inside now. My wife's in Florida. My kid is sleeping. Everything's cool. Oh, you got the dogs in? You yeah, did, right? Put the dogs in. And then uh, your, your kids are quote unquote sleeping. And. Uh, your wife is quote unquote at a business meeting. No, she's in Florida because there was a passing, and two of the kids are at college. It's just the one boy upstairs sleeping. And stop making me a quote unquote guy. <laughs> oh, hey, look, it's Jim Carrey. So he's on the run from the rollerball team. Meanwhile, they're investigating that robbery. Okay, and these two things will come together and marry each other on a train. Okay, that makes no sense. So an Oakland uh, roller derby uh, embezzler and uh, con men stealing money from their... Okay, they're going to meet on a train. I got you. Why don't you say that sooner? Yeah. Well, I was letting the movie do the talking. You know, this oh. is Anne Rand's least favorite train movie, followed by Atlas Struggle, <laughs> part one, two, and three. So... Now, you know, he's he's got a moment of reprise, and it's going to turn into a situation in which he's basically sleeping with a woman in the bath upstairs. That's how slick he is. That's Brian Dennehy, right? <laughs> that is Michael O'Keefe. No, not Michael O'Keefe, the guy in the blue suit. Uh-oh. I don't know what minute you're at. Uh, I'll pause it. That's the only way I can do it. No, I'm at 210. Two minutes and oh. 10 seconds? Yeah, wait, why is that like that? Mike, I'm going to have to kill you. We're going to have to start the episode over. Oh, no. You know what? It, it switched. It switched to Jim Carrey. Yeah, we got to do this another time. All right, I'm stopping. The, I'm pausing. Oh, right. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay, we are back and in sync at 1036. <laughs> yep. Oh, is this uh, a move over Knives Out? Right? Didn't Knives Out try to be as funny as this movie? I don't know Knives Out. This guy was in, um, he played a sitcom where him and his wife switched places, right? Like, um, uh, the guy on the left, the, the police officer, is John Shook. John Shook, yeah. Star Trek connection. And the guy on the right was on the Bob Newhart show. What was his Star Trek connection? Um, he was in... Uh, he was a Klingon in... 
Oh, brother. Here it is. He was the Klingon ambassador in The Voyage Home, which was the fourth episode with the whales. And then he was back as the same guy in Star Trek V. He also was in Deep Space Nine once and Voyager once. Wow. And that show Star Trek F Enterprise, which was probably Scott Bakula's vehicle. Yeah, at a certain point, I got lost, I think. We just watched her give him a blowjob, right, underneath the bathtub? Yeah, that's right. That's how slick he is. He's got his way into this woman's bed. But she was willing to do it. Now, he was at the scene of the crime. He had bumbled like an idiot. So now he's coming home to, you know, get on new clothes. And, of course, he will discover his wife in bed with another man. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Better. It's a very wet bed. Eating, it's a eating water bed. Buns. Now, this movie is takes place in 1973, even though it's an 84 film, because it's Vietnam era. And they're on a water bed. Water beds were very popular in the 70s. Oh, yeah, sure. They're so hard. Like, I don't know what to do when they get soft. I mean, is there something I need to add? If your water bed is soft, you probably need to put it in the freezer. Okay. Or lower the air conditioning in your room to sub-zero. Yeah, you need it to, it, it's a freezing process. You know, I like to get the millennial uh, waterbed that comes in a box, and you open it up, and it opens up. And you just, the entire waterbed mattress in a box. It's incredible. And you sink it to your phone. and You sink it to your phone. <laughs> oh, oh, look, caught. you can't hold the breath. Caught. Uh, look at that chest. That's a classic 80s, 70s chest. Just nondescript. Oh, it's a cop. They're doing this dumb ploy that he's the plumber's son. And okay, I think it's all fixed. There's spider webs in this bathroom? Really? Yeah. yeah. Look, like behind them. Oh, those are spider plants. <laughs> well. Uh, it's so funny. It's a gun up his butt. <laughs> We've all been there, am I right? <laughs> oh, my God. That's the least favorite part of these hot tubs. Hot bath. Hello. Oh, look at that Yakuza tattoo on the back of his, uh, on his back. Giant dragon. Kwai Chow Chang. Really holding up that loose uh, bar. He was a Sholin. Right, he was nice enough to hold up that police car for them. So is this still Michael O'Keefe? Yeah, we're getting backstory like, you know a man named Century? You know, we're like learning about, you came from a foster home, like we're learning backstory. Oh, good, yeah, because once we're on the train, it's all, all systems go. <laughs> well, Century, the guy they're referring to, that's a person's name, Century, he will show up later so they're setting us up for that oh century worked at the foster home yeah well he was also a member of the foster home but he had like 12 years on this key on michael o'keefe so he was like a mentor kind of guy and like yeah. being a con man and now we're seeing a flashback of it at the orphanage are you okay michael o'keefe michael let me pick you up and i might happen to be lewis gossett jr Great. Wow. 
Would you take a picture of us? Yeah. So he, they're both in the foster home and he picked them up. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you mean, picked them up. Well, he got them out of trouble and lifted them in his yeah. arms. Yeah. <laughs> he like, like he picked them up. With his arms. You're so literal. Uh-oh. Oh, hiding from the oh. roller. Roller derbyist. Yeah. Six o'clock. Crash. Oh, my goodness. Maybe Uh-oh. our hero will take advantage of this to run away. As if the back door of a cop car would be unlocked. It might in 1984. They don't really know. It's Reagan's America. 73. 73. It was Nixon's America. Oh, 73. Right, right. And in Oakland. Boy, you know, you got all those. Now, they've got the money that they stole in a hearse, and this is their cover. Okay? Oh, it's uh, in the hearse. The $5 million. Guy and the, uh, $5 million is in the hearse. Driver guy and grieving widow. That's a perfect scam. Oh, it's going to work. It reminds me of Sting, because what a great Sting. <laughs> Last episode was, no, when was that? Yeah, it was a couple episodes. Brimstone and Treacle. That was last month, I guess. Yeah. Just listen to it. Army-Navy store. But it's a hippie in the Army-Navy store. So he's got a watch that's worth money, so he wants to hawk it for clothes. Meanwhile, here we are at Oakland train station, and clearly from all the years in Oakland, you can see that it's Oakland train station. It has to be real Oakland, right? Why would they they actually bought a train uh, sign? Yeah, they bought a sign that says Oakland. <laughs> this uh, is Alberta, Canada. This is Alberta, Canada. It's um Leith so he got clothes, but it's Army Navy store, so all he has all they have are uniforms. Right. So he's gonna even wear the McDonald's hat. He is stealing some valor. So I won't list them all, but there's a bunch of cities in the province of Alberta. That's where this is shot. And it was the second one for this director because he had just finished Superman three in Alberta. Superman three, hot off the heels, nineteen eighty-three. Mm-hmm. Dick Lester was our director. Lois, this food is delicious. Clark, you're eating dog food. <laughs> yeah, there it is, Oakland. It says Oakland. So so it must be true. Is it Amtrak or is it like Am? I can't see with the pixels. It's called Amrail. So they don't even have like, well, right, because there's not a monopoly. There's the but there's the uh, Harry Krishna's on the train station. Yes, that's right. And this yeah. he's trying to sell him a book about George Harrison. It'll change your life. Interesting. Is there a callback? They introduced the novel of George Harrison in the first act. No. Now, he's a pretend military guy, and he just walked into Oakland with her. There's a lot of military guys. Look, they're even playing dice. There was Port of Oakland. There was a naval base, right, or army base. I did. Uh, I was down there and saw the theater there. It was beautiful. You know, like the Presidio, the military was there until the 80s, basically. Uh-huh. You know, maybe Mark Harmon's movie, The Presidio, and then... MPs are coming. Everybody clear out of here. Look at this comedy. Just parades down Broad Street. Now remember, he's a civilian in a cost in a 
Right. Stolen valor. Now, look, you see the flag? He left it. But he didn't leave it. It's not his. It's those other guys who ran away. So the MPs are like, this your flag? And he goes, yeah. So he goes and gets it. And the MPs think that something's wrong. Something's wrong. So they want to follow him to check him out. Right. Well, maybe it's because he's wearing uh, a McDonald's hat. Given to him from the Army-Navy hippie. The Army-Navy hippie gave him a uniform. So he quickly sees a coffin. So he says to the guy, stop. And he goes, there's five bucks in it for you if you stop. So the guy stops. <laughs> and he drapes the flag he coincidentally found in the bathroom on the coffin. And they're like, oh, this guy's escorting a you know, fallen hero. You know, like they just, he gets away. It, this is actually funny because he doesn't know military. So he's going, you know, when he's doing the salutes and stuff. That's his but why why is Dennis Weaver and uh what's her name like not just going up to the guy and be like, give me my coffin? Because there's five million dollars in it and they got a scam going on. Everything's gotta be quiet, you know. You can't go and make a big scene. This is my coffin, you know. Telephones, Bay Area hotels. You sure this is not Oakland? I'm I'm you it tell says, me you live there. Bay Area hotels, they're not doesn't look like Canadian phone booths. <laughs> pre-pandemic you could use a phone uh pay phone now the guy on the left you don't recognize him because he's usually bald in movies but he he doesn't do a good job in this movie but he's been in a million things right uh let's see more than 200 films and tv episodes career of 40 years I can't say one thing in here. You'd go, oh, that guy, because he's always the thug, the character actor. Like, okay, he was in The Longest Yard, but I'm sure he was just one of the football dudes. He was in The French Connection, too. I'm sure he was one of the cops or one of the mobsters, you know? Right. He was in Wagons East. Amrail. Right. Silver. Now, the Silver Streak in 1976. Right which was before this, was called Am Road. And the internet thinks they were trying to not, you know. Well, they can't I, say, you know, it's strange. I, I'm pretty sure it was the only train company in town in the 80s, you know. They saw the Monopoly. What? Amway? Well, <laughs> uh, uh, not Amway, yeah, the, the rails. Amway. Yeah. Yeah, I can listen. It's not a pyramid scheme. That's yesteryear. Amway is no, not Amway. Amtrak. <laughs> I am track. Yeah, it's for for American tractor. Oh, tractor. Oh, you learn something new that you already knew every day. Yeah. See, <laughs> and DC stands for District of Columbia. Oh, Ooh, I, oh. I just learned that again. Something I already know. <laughs> So is he hanging out with the conductor? Yeah, and the joke is like, you know, he's like, I'm escorting this dead, my dead friend or this fallen hero. But the joke is that like he's the world's oldest train conductor and, and, and you know, the president made him a promise that he could, and he's saying like, well, I can tell you all the presidents if you go back and he gets the president's names wrong. It's, it's not very funny, but it's the shtick he does throughout the film. 
All right. Oh, so he's a regular. Yeah, he will be a player. That we're in Act Two now, and we're meeting our B characters that will support his plot. His, you know. But did did you like this movie? Was this a romp that you embraced? No, this movie. No, it. I'm trying to. No. Yes. Let's talk about our favorite train movies, right? You mentioned Silver Street. No, but this isn't a really a train movie. A bunch no. of it takes place on a train, but that's not where it starts or ends. Oh, the interesting. Whole act three will be off the train. Oh, all right. Well, I take that back. The answer <laughs> is Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is a weird concept. Is that the one where it's like a, a totalitarian train? Yeah, it was just like French comic. And uh it kind of had the movie ending and then it continued and i think the illustrator passed away but it had a very bleak resolution and then another artist took it over and came up with a conclusion and then came up with a prequel that explains uh -huh. how the world came to be what it was yeah i'd like to know that because it's the dumbest thing how can the world all of a sudden have to be on a train that never stops well eco-terrorists are fucking with the uh climate control and they're going to try to obliviate the uh, the world for so nature can resume is their radical disposition. Meanwhile, this kind of Bill Gates character uh, creates a train and he gives out golden tickets. But by the time it gets to all the cities, it's just a mob of people trying to get on these trains. Uh -huh. There he had the rich people on there. And then all the poor people just kind of shove themselves in the back. And then the train goes off. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, Beverly D'Angelo. We like her. She is maybe something nice about this film, but it's just not good enough to make it to save the film. But she's the best character in it. Right. Here we have a joke. It's the guy, you know, the woman in the bathtub with the chief of police. You know, and it's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, right. I couldn't believe it, he said. There she is. She's going to speak to him finally. Reno. You sure it's not Bay Area? Because Reno's close to Oakland. Yeah. Train. The train is now in Reno. And we are in Lethbridge, Alberta. Are they in Reno, California or, or Reno, Nevada? Uh, Reno, California, most likely. I don't know the answer. It doesn't really matter. They're on a train no, trip. I'm thinking of... Uh, Thinking of Lake Tahoe that shares two states. Uh, uh, in this fictitious movie, they will go from California to Demer Nebraska. Okay, and are we in Reno, California, or Reno, Nevada? I mean, we're in Nevada. I guess we're moving right along. In search of good times and good friends. Together we'll nab it. Something silly rabbit. Right. Tricks are for kids, silly rabbit. Moving right along in search of. We'll hitchhike bus and yellow cab it. Why am I singing that stupid song? I'm ripping it now. Okay, now, as you know, the coffin got away from the widow and the chauffeur, okay? The bad, our bad guys. So 
he's saying like if you get on this train oh uh, you're a dead man to him you know and okay he goes look that's the fbi i got you a private plane in reno you've got to you know meet me in ogden utah gotcha and she's like still like come on darling <laughs> you know that shtick will go away, but that's currently their shtick. She wants to be romantic, and he's all business. Right. Get on that train. No. Okay, yeah, now Beverly D'Angelo and Michael O'Keefe meet, and they will be together for the rest of the film. What now, a gentleman. She is saying faggot and retard over and over and over. Really? Yes. Well, I was wondering why this movie was rated G. <laughs> why don't you go ahead and put up the sound? Just so you can stop the sound as soon as we hear a faggot or a retard. Thank you, guys. Good you. Oh, sit, sit. Sit, sit, doggy. I think he made that part up just so you can say those words. Oh, really? You turn the sound off? Turn it up till she says faggot. Ooh. People are staring at us, then. Everyone's staring at us. All right, what's up? You want to stare? You want to stare at me? You want to stare at me? <laughs> Look at her go. Maybe something to stare. She's drunk. She's not. She's just the kook. But the only refreshing thing about this movie is that she's a free spirit. You turn the sound off again. Well, did she, she hasn't said anything. All right, I'll put it back. Of course, so then you tried to find one for me. What kind of a retard do you think I am? Oh, she said it. She said retard. You can turn it off. Just cigarette. All right, let's see if she says the F word. Oh, smoke. Um, well, the next time she'll say it is when she learns about the coffin in the back. Let's calm down. I think she's gargling. Yeah. What she they're showing us she's outrageous. She's a crazy woman. She's outrageous. She's and like gonna, Barbara Streisand and What's Up Doc? Where she's like, hey, <laughs> Ryan O'Neill, what's up, Doc? Right. Now we're go you know, we'll learn that she's going through a divorce and we'll learn that she's a Hollywood actress and Earlier this year, she was on an episode of Mod Squad. Wow. Oh, so it's a Hollywood. Now she's learning about the coffin in the back. And she's like, you idiot, you did that on purpose to make me feel like a jerk. Oh, he's, he revealed that it's actually just uh, a way to get on the train. No, uh, you know, she's like... My buddy, he's like, my buddy's in the back. And she goes, is he a faggot too? And he goes, no, he's dead. He's uh, he's in a coffin. I'm transporting him home. for." And she goes, you did that to make me feel bad. Look, she's reading the cliff notes to the script. Right, because she's not going to read the whole thing. Hmm, act three, scene one, party. Oh, these guys can't take it. Yep, that's right. She's so that's obnoxious. Oh, that's pretty convenient. I haven't. Have you ridden the train since the pandemic? 
no, I guess not. It's interesting. I went to the movies. Uh-huh. That's yeah. brave. I saw No Time to Die. Uh, yeah, you have no time to die. Listen, it's a 90% survival rate. It is uh, the flu. Okay, people who get it say, like, I felt a little achy. I mean, you sure you could die, but you're probably not going to bite. I chew. It's a three-hour movie, and I had a pee, so I'm in, the, I'm in peeing. I got my mask on. And I look, and the guy down the aisle is like, his mask is off. And then I go wash my hands, and there's a guy brushing his teeth. <laughs> you were fucking in germ hell, right? Brushing his teeth at the uh, multiplex. Remember the guy walked past you and coughed or sneezed or something, and you were on... Yeah, that was a rough day. That was a bad day. That ruined my week. The next two weeks, I was worried about that. Yeah. It was three people. Unmasked, walking side by side, taking up the entire dirt road, uh, dirt path. And then when I walked around them, the guy started to cough. That was a close one. You know, that was like during the beginning of the pandemic. I was wearing like cloth handkerchiefs, mm -hmm. you know, like bandanas and shit. Before you learned about the whatever, yes. you know, I forget the note. I would, if it was weeks ago, I would be able to tell you the the name of the mask. Okay, now she's like, you weren't lying. You were telling the truth. And she's going to sort of cry or whatever. And then right. it's going to turn into consoling. And then that's going to turn into romance. Wow. Are they going to do it on top of the coffin? That would be a great scene, but unfortunately, I didn't direct this. Now, the guy who directed this, like, he's no slouch. He really no, had no chops. Yeah. I was just saying, Richard Lester, I mean, he directed Superman 1. His version of Superman 2 is theatrically released. Superman 3, which he did before this. The Beatles I movies. I right? don't think he did 1, no. I think he just did 2 and oh, 3. Right. No, he did 2 and 3. Right. No, but, but what made him big was... England, even though he's an American, he got his chops in England, but any it was too okay, like okay, in 1950 he was like a stagehand, then he got became the floor manager, and then the assistant director, and then the director. And that became in less than a year. Nobody else around knew how to be a director. He he just got sucked up into it. A variety show he did, like Peter Sellers saw it. And so he tried to make the goon show, the radio thing, a television show, and and it was Dick Lester. He had to do it. Right. So he so was he, big in English TV. He did lots of shows in English TV. Well, I, I've seen The Knack, which is kind of like the 60s youth movie. And, then, uh, and How to Get It, yeah. Yeah, How to Get It. And, uh, you know, A Hard Day's Night and uh, Help. Were two great movies. Yeah, you see, he. Do you he, remember the Three Musketeers followed by the Four Musketeers during the seventies? Okay, well, after this movie, he'd take a break and then go on to do the Three Musketeers, and then I think it was over for him. Well, no, no, he did like the Return of the Three Musketeers, but in his heyday, in like oh. seventy-three, he did a Three Musketeers movie, which they just extended and made a second part. 
uh, and it was called the Fourth Musketeers. Mm -hmm. I think then, I remember that as a kid. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it was one of those '70s uh, anomalies that you most likely remember when you're young. Yeah. Okay, he made this movie it, like right after the English TV stuff called "The Running, Jumping, and Standing Still." That's what it was called, film. The running, jumping, and standing still film. But it was like a favorite of John Lennon. John Lennon really liked it. And when the Beatles got like a list of people who could direct Hard Day's Night, he saw right. that name. And he says, oh, what's me this guy now does? Now, Becca, what are the Beatles? The Beatles are, it's like the most common form of insect Oh, and they're not hive driven. They're like rogues, you know. Um, hey, the FBI guy is in like, the storage area, but I don't see the coffin. That's right. He, he is on the case of the 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 thievery of the five million dollars. OK, that's what he's there about. He doesn't really know about the coffin. Or the story with, that he doesn't know that that's how they're sneaking the money. He doesn't know that this guy conned his way into using that to get on the train and, you know, get far away from roller girls. I know. What a weird predicament. I got to flee Oakland by train. The roller derby's after me. So this Michael O'Keefe, I don't know, somehow he became, he, hmm, I'm really not sure what it is, but. He says there's a suspect on the train. Now, what could it be except for the chauffeur, right? Who could right. it be? So now he's going to interview him, and we have attempted hilarity at, like, you know, comedy of errors in their conversation. Do you know this woman? No. But you didn't even look at the picture. Well, I was only in the bathtub with her. Right. You don't think then this is like I mean like this is like the comedy scenes I like. There's a situation in, in a conflict and people go up against it. Now he says, Do you know this woman? And that's the woman who's pretending to be the widow. But she doesn't he doesn't know her. Right. He slept with the, the police chief's wife. Yeah, or, or they did something conjugal. I don't know that it was sex, but yes. Well, she she blew him with the tub water running or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that was just a joke because it would probably be impossible. Yeah, that's in Gimme an F too, the uh, cheerleader movie. <laughs> They're in a hot tub and these women pop their heads out of And And that happened in Back to America. No, back oh, oh, to coming, come, coming to America. Coming to America. Uh, what else? Uh, Easy Money? Was there a bit like that? So no, now Beverly D'Angelo is like, why did you lie to that FBI guy about your name? And she's like, you sure you want to get involved? And she goes, involved? Where have you been? You know, because they've been making out stuff. Is this a piano bar? So yeah, it's a piano bar on the on the. It's like a Wurlitzer on the. You know, they converted the food car into a bar for the movie. You see, this brain buffs know this film. So a bunch of the sites that I found tells me all about what the train is. 
Well, you've been on the Amtrak train, Boston to New Jersey. You know, there's yeah. a, a observation. Uh, there's a first class, and there's observation. There's general seating. There's like little hotel rooms for you know. My father I, served under general seating in Vietnam. Huh. Two tours of duty. Wait, your father? Yes, he did. He served under general general section. What did you call the seating? General what? Electric. <laughs> yes, he served under general electric. And no. Okay, so I just want to let you know because you brought it up. This is uh there's a manufacturer called Bud. They make trains. So it's a Bud built pocket steam liner of ex-Canadian Pacific cars pulled oh. by a couple of former Canadian national GMD FP9A diesels. Well, I'll be. So this is all Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, this whole thing is in Canada. Um, it, the, car, the train has seven cars. Two of them are domes. That's the sort of observational thing like you were talking about. Right. Um. Anyway, there's a lot of train sites that give a shit about this movie. Just like a lot of uh, bowling sites cared about that other one we saw. Oh, if I was into Canadian trains, this movie would be like such a pleasurable experience. Michael O'Keefe was the star of that film, too. No, no. Who was it? Which one? Snowpiercer? No, it was Rocky for bowling, and we saw it. Dreamer? Oh, that was Tim Matheson. Right, 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 right. They're both as bland. Now, look, the the bad guy told him, you don't touch the cargo. or So he was in the car, and he goes, wait a minute. He called it cargo, not a body. He called it cargo. Right. So he's like, what? He goes and checks it out, and he finds the money. And she found a photo of the heiress. Right. So what she thinks is... Michael O'Keefe is really a bad guy who killed the heiress, put her in the coffin, and Beverly D'Angelo thinks she's next. So you can see it's a miss, you know, three's company mistake. Well, that, that's that's your comedy scene. There's a comedy yeah. of errors. Right, right. I mean, do you prefer it if, it might, if Michael O'Keefe showed up and started knocking things over? Whoops, sorry. Uh, no, I have no preference. It is a comedy of errors. Oh, it's just the guy at the bar. Oh, a misunderstanding. What a comedy of an error of a comedy. <laughs> wow, look at all that beer. Right, now, you see, it didn't get knocked over until Beverly D'Angelo goes under. Damn it. Quick, hide. Go outside. You, get out wow. of here. See you what? again? Stop well, coming on great. to me. I've seen Beverly D'Angelo in all the vacation movies, but I don't think she's ever riding a train. Or need a guy in the groin. Oh, just yeah, but that was off camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that. Shaving in the public bathroom. Nice cold water from the tap. <laughs> That's his life on the road. You got to get a good lather in there. Little comedy uh, face he has, that clown face. You know, we do know her from National Lampoon's vacation movies, but she was in so much more. Oh, yeah, she's great. She's phenomenal. 
She's she's probably the best things in those movies too. Oh, I don't know. I think Vacation was just a killer film, and Chevy Chase nailed it. And yeah. she was just playing the role of supportive. Uh, I don't know. She was okay. Well, let me see here. She was in Shampoo. Um, she was in American History X. She was the 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 mom. Interesting. She was in Every Which that. Way But Loose. Carl, how many times have you seen American History X? 500 times? No, one time. Uh, that's the one with... Um, Edward uh, Norton. Yeah, and he hurt that poor man's jaw. On the, he went to jail for it. That was yeah. just... No, I, re I, I remember the scene in which the, the blind date or the date was Jewish, and he really got up in his grill, made him uncomfortable. Um. I remember the click he was in, then he was separated from it and he had to come back to it. Um, why did you say I would see it 500 times? Oh, because you're a white supremacist. You know I'm a liberal, Mike, right? You know uh, I've never voted for a Republican in my life. You know my stepbrother's trans, you know my brother's gay, you know my brother, other brother's African-American. Uh, you know I grew up in East Orange. I do not think that I'm a white supremacist. No, but I didn't know half that information. We'll have to talk afterwards. Congratulations. I did so know all of that information. Yeah, congratulations. My first love was a Jewish woman. <laughs> uh -huh. who's, who's that, Mrs. Deathfire? No, it was Wendy Osofsky in high school. But the thing is, like, you, some guy goes, some of my best friends are black. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I was raised in an all-black community. I, Mike, I don't ever question. Look. I don't believe in this cancel culture. I think it's bullshit. That doesn't make me. Carl, I was making a joke. I okay. was listening to the movie. It, I didn't, it didn't go further than that. <laughs> well, look, she was in Annie Hall. That kicks ass. Yeah. I don't remember that. I like that movie. Uh, she was actress in Rob's TV show. So Rob, who had a TV show, I guess she was. Maybe her part wasn't big. Was it Rob Snyder? Right. Uh, she was in Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. That's kind of a Rob Schneider type film. She was in The House Bunny. She's been in some dumb things. Oh, yeah. I remember her in The House Bunny. That's a great movie. She and got a Golden Globe for Patsy Fine in Coal Miner's Daughter. I was going to say, she's an accomplished singer. Yeah. Yeah. She was in Hair. Oh, yeah, she was the girlfriend in hair, right? Really? I think so. What was her sign, Aquarius? Uh, no, she's going to shock. It was the that's They're pretending. So she went to them and said, Michael O'Keefe, he's a murderer. He stole the money and put it in a coffin. And then she, you know, Go there and they, he tells the truth. She sees the widow outside of the train. So obviously she didn't kill and put her in a coffin if she's alive, you see? Right. So therefore, how are we going to undo what I told the FBI? Well, pretend you're a crazy person who has fits. And that's what they're doing. And it'll work. So he's pretending he's in the military. And she's pretending that she has a mental problem. Right. They deserve each other, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Hope you enjoy your little private world. Well, this is just delightful. So we're going to get off the trains, and they're on the second tier right now. That's some some heavy duty shit. This is one of the dome cars that they refer to on the train sites. This is more of a commuter train. You know what I mean? Like you would people like go to LIR and push themselves in. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But what do you know about the LIR? Oh, the LIR. Well, there's WLIR. It would stairs to be different. People call it frisky. Call it frisky. Look, call it, you know, Frisco. And then every now and again, refer to it affectionately as, ah, just that's something that's just frisky for you. So this is not Nevada or Nebraska. This is still Canada. Right. Right now we are going to go over. Okay, we're going to go over what? Old Man River and the Old Man River Bridge in Leithbridge, Alberta. And by the way, that was Vancouver's Pacific Central Station that they were pretending was Oakland. Because trains, train websites got me in the know. Well, I'm glad you said that because I did see that segment and I was killing myself. Like, did they remodel? Because they... They did do a renovation of the, the main uh, hub over in, in Jack London, but it didn't look like it. It kind of looked like the Greyhound for a little bit, but it just didn't look like it. You know, well, you know, it's a good. I would recommend a TV show. We're back in Sepia Land. Uh, Turner and the memory. Hooch. It's the memory. Oh, Turner and Hooch. The uh, oh TV yeah. Show? It takes place in San Francisco. And it's all digitally uh, edited. So they're walking in like three composites in the background. It looks nothing like any city you've seen. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Because I think he was in the Bay Area. Yeah, uh, it might have been the suburbs. Tom Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. He looked. Oh, there we go. That's the last of this guy. Well, it's not, but yes. Now that must have hurt. <laughs> yeah, the stunt man. This guy, he was in Death Wish 3. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, do something, Charlie. Two. Oh, you still got to do something. Do it again. Something needs to be done again, again. Death Wish 4, the crackdown. The hey, uh, there's Century. Yep, that's Lewitt Gossett Jr. He got the message. When he was at the station, he called him and said, come help me, I'm in trouble. Oh, that's good. So they got their con man friend in on it. Right. And it's 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 not his dad. It's kind of it's not even his older brother. It's something in the middle. Like he's a teacher, but also in the same he's he's a friend because he's also a orf an orphan. But he I mean he's like got twelve to fifteen years on him, you know. Well, that's cool. So Luca, he did uh, Officer and a Gentleman around this time, right? Eighty four. Oh, good, good question. Lou Gossett Jr. So Office and a Gentleman, Officer and a Gentleman. I don't see it here. Iron Eagle was okay. Yeah, Iron Eagle. E Enemy Mine. We know him from that. That was 85. Yeah, 1982. Right. 1982 was Officer and a Gentleman. So this is after that, right? 
Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, he was in some good things, but he was also in some crap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he wrote a franchise, the Iron Eagle franchise, which Iron Eagle was stupid, and he wrote it. He Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle 2, Aces, Iron Eagle 3, Iron Eagle <laughs> on the Attack, the fourth film. Oh, there's no four. They just soaked it, soaked it. You don't think fans were like, I really gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta know. What happened? No, I just need to see see more planes, yeah. And also, (laughs) I I think... I mean, there must be another reason why you're watching these movies. Like, maybe you're military and you're doing the the planes, the helicopters, the Iron Eagles. What are they? They're like giant... Uh, Iron Eagle was... was They were jet fighters. They were... I, I I don't I may, maybe Iron Eagle is the name of their group or something. Look, I did see Iron Eagle and they were jet, they were flying jets, but then I quit on it. It was uh, stupid. I never saw Iron Eagle two through four. Did you? Oh no, I don't think I've seen even the first one. I know there was like a Nicolas Cage movie with with Charlie Sheen, which is basically the same idea mm-hmm. for military planes. Maybe they go on missions. I have to see the Iron Eagles now. You do? Okay, enjoy. He was oh, really good in Enemy Mine. Um, and Enemy Mine is a good one. Yeah, he started out in 1961. He was in a, he was in a Raisin in the Sun. That's why he got a career. Um, yeah, you know, he was in the TV version of Raising Saddles. The TV version, that's interesting. It was called Black Bart. And uh, I think it was this junior, or uh, and uh, the story went that to keep the rights to Blazing Saddles, Warner Brothers had to uh, come up with a TV show within the end of the year. So they cranked out episodes of a TV show. They had no intention of airing; they just uh-huh. did it to hold the credits. So the the DVD of uh, Blazing Saddles, the, I guess the Blu-ray has the pilot. Interesting. Well, you know what the jerk too, our friend Garrett, whatever his name is. Right. He is in it. Wait, our friend Garrett? Yeah, our friend Garrett from the Jerk Two and Fridays. Oh, that guy, the um the star of Jerk Two, right. He's in oh right. okay, gotcha. He's in the TV pilot of uh um well, that's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, why would you make a Blazing Saddles TV show? They had they contract they had to by contract. Yeah, so they said like you know the rights go back to Mel uh, Brooks unless you know the studio makes a TV show by the end of the year. Oh, so Mel Brooks, yeah, he was trying to just okay, okay, interesting. And then they screwed him over. They said, "Here's your TV show. Enjoy." Right. But I don't know if they screwed him over. I don't well, think he ever used the rights. Yeah, he probably has the rights. Maybe oh. I don't know. That's a good question. But he has the rights to Young Frankenstein, which was a Broadway play, and then the producers. And now what we're having is goodbye. Okay, the train is stopped at her stop, and she's getting in the taxi to go off to this like rehabilitation center because she's having a mental breakdown because of her divorce. But we'll get surprised 
when she doesn't get the taxi actually does leave but she goes back to the train and she's back with Sentry and Michael O'Keefe again <clears throat> now we have dogs in this yeah they've got uh, like a bank they're you know it's like a Brinks truck has brought a bunch of money and it's going to be transported so they have Doberman Pinchers interesting is it yeah. yes all it's going to lead to is they need to get to the coffin and they can't because bark 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 and then it'll go away it's i don't know it's like we need something here and so they went back pa a couple pages and wrote in okay make a delivery of a brings truck okay okay and then have dobermans okay good 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 and that'll stop them from that's it, a funny... they needed a plot point yeah Now, when they hug goodbye and kiss, she won't let go while the car starts moving. And that'll be our comedic point of this. Yeah, he, he has like a, not painterly way, but it's definitely everything is storyboard. Like it's a comic book. Mm -hmm. You don't really need to know, like it could be dubbed in another language and still comes across. Which is good for Lester. Well, what's he saying right now? He's saying... Uh, uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's right. see. Okay. So he's a big man. He's the uh, world's oldest train conductor, right? So he's calling President Nixon and asking him to reroute the train to Nebraska instead of New York so that they can drop off this boy at his hometown. Or he'll call Walter Cronkite. So Nixon has put in an executive order to, that's maybe not the right term, to AMRAIL to divert the train to Nebraska. So that's what they're going to do. That's so passengers seem to mind. That's really funny. So now they're catching up on old times kind of thing. Ooh, Grifters playing cards on train. That was that was uh, the movie The Grifters with with uh, John Cusack. They're sort of playing with each other for fun. They are not doing card grifting. And what they'll do is he'll tell them that it's it's, it's about a million dollars. And then Lou Gossett Jr. will be go, it's five million dollars. Don't you read the news? And, you know, oh, right. he's on top. Did his research. Now, being on a train, you have to play playing cards, right? It's like a law. Yeah. When I went to uh, D.C. with my young, uh, my middle kid, I we played cards on the way. And yeah, that's right. If you get on a train, you really should bring a pack of cards. Look, Brian Yeah, I know. Look, he's uh, we've seen him in different states, so it looks good. Looking good, Brian. Now he was in um, our time here. three. No, he was in the LWAFLMOYT movie, uh, Little Miss Marker. Huh. Remember, and I criticized his acting. Like in this movie, he's doing acting. He's a character. He's got a play. But in that movie, he was just the thug who stood around and looked like a gorilla. Right. You know, they wanted Dudley Moore for this film. Warner Brothers wanted Dudley Moore. But the director and the writer were like... No, let's do an ensemble cast. So they messed up. I think that makes more sense, right? 
Uh, I know, okay. Dudley Moore might be funny on a train. It, any movie Dudley Moore would have been in would have been really good. It would have been a hit. You know what I mean? It would have he would have made you laugh. He would have been wacky situations. You know, Dudley Moore is always the way to go. What 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 movie was he in that was bad? Uh, Mickey and Maud. Mickey and Maud, refresh my memory. That was a Blake Edwards movie with him and Robert and Richard Mulligan. Maybe I didn't see it. My memories of Dudley Moore movies are always they're well, spot bedazzled, on. Bedazzled's great. Yeah, Bedazzled was great. And Ten is funny. <clears throat> ten is really good. Yeah, Ten is funny. Oh, uh, uh, what was that? That uh, Goldie Hawn uh, Chevy Chase movie. Seems like old times. Right, in which they were divorced and then got married. Um, no, but, he like there's a murder mystery. Like they get involved in a killing at a movie theater in San Francisco. What was it called? Uh, Good times, harsh swallow, uh, fair play, fair play. Yeah, I think it's called fair play. Okay, but you didn't mention that one. You talked. You mentioned enough. Seems like old times. You called it. Yeah, that might be a different movie. Yeah, that's the one in which Chevy Chase was married to Goldie Hawn, and then she she married the like mayor of. Remember, it had all the dogs and. Okay, never mind. What was what was that Goldie Hawn movie where there was three on a wire? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to see Jim Carrey. Should we see our Jim Carrey cameo here? Oh, I I already saw Jim Carrey. Uh, uh, my video went to the all Jim Carrey scenes from Finders Keepers. <laughs> not my plan but okay so there's Jim Carrey now Yay. Jim Second Carrey move. has drafted the Dodge okay Jim Carrey is the nephew of the mayor Brian Dennehy and he just got word that they're bringing Jim Carrey's body who died in Vietnam to his hometown in Nebraska. Now, of course, this is all like the mis crazy plot of Michael O'Keefe and Century, you know, with the false name and everything. But Brian Dennehy doesn't know that. So he's like, what is going on? How can you be dead in Vietnam? So their plan is let him bring the body here. We'll just bury it in the ground and no one will ever find out that I harbored a draft dodger. Who would that? That's... That is topical. <laughs> now, look, see, Jim Carrey just plays I'm a dummy throughout the whole thing. That's all this character does. And he doesn't do anything. They didn't know what they had. He doesn't do anything like super physical or, you know, like snap his finger in the propeller and then make an ouch face. You know, they didn't use any Jim Carrey outrageous Jerry Lewis stuff. Right. Now, at the time, Jim Carrey was trying to get on The Tonight Show. He had moved to L.A. He was performing at, um, it's not in front of me, that 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 uh, one with Pauly Shore's mom. And oh, he was sure that the comedy store, the comedy store. And he was just trying to make his way onto The Tonight Show. Now, during this thing, he, he also got this part. He went off to do it. But. Johnny liked him, but didn't pull him to the couch, and it, like, broke his heart. 
I know, it's such crazy politics. So anyway, that's what was going on in Jim Carrey's life. This was just something he did because he got a gig. Sure, I'm in a movie. I'm a comedian. He's not really a famous person yet. He didn't wasn't on In Living Color. Right. Well, he did uh, what, Twice Bitten and then uh, The Duck Factory, which is a TV show. Yeah. And uh, I guess the Earth Girls Are Easy, where he, him and Damon Wayans have... Uh, yeah, I forget what year that was. This probably has to be like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, probably late 80s. And he was doing a bunch of Jim Carrey stuff in that. But, you know, it was after In Living Color really hit that he got a movie. And that was the uh, Ace Ventura. And then it went on to The Mask. You know, he right. and he just skyrocketed. Which okay. is amazing because, yeah. All right, so he gets a Dennehy. Yeah, what's going on here is he goes, you know, like words cannot express our sorries. He goes, so there won't be any. Put the bit, put it. But you know, it's like he's obviously trying to rush the coffin to the ground. But they're making a big deal out of it because he's the mayor and it's his nephew, and you must be grieving. And they put up banners and they have a band. Huh? There's the band. Now we want to trade, our, we trade Richard Lester's jokes down Broadway. Now, this is a little bit grandiose, not what they were expecting. They just wanted to get off the train with the coffin and and basically take the money. Because you can't steal what's already been stolen, you see. So this is like a Preston Surge comedy where there's a misunderstanding on a train. Right. So, well, never mind the train part of it. So what has to happen right now? The the train's leaving now. There will be no more train for the film. What? That's right. Of course, they're at their destination. So there was was a film called Hail the Conquering Hero where uh, Eddie Brackett's on a train going home. He was honorably discharged from the war. And he meets fellow Marines who won't allow him to say that he got discharged honorably. And they create this lie that he was a war hero, and then it just escalates. Gotcha. So by the time he gets to the train station, there's a, a band out there. Oh, right. Well, that's what's going on here. So they have to think on their feet quickly. So Louis Gossett Jr. just happens to be dressed as a priest so that he can, you know, he's a con. So he goes, I'm the reverend, uh, I am the father, and he sees the, like, the baby picture so he goes bassinet you know they're just really quickly she's singing a dumb she's reading a dumb poem she wrote there you lie in your coffin when you're buried i will visit you often and they're all rolling their eyes (laughs) so she's claiming to be the widow now that you know he never told you we were married Wow. So is, is he getting same... a thrown together story so they can con their way out of, you know, they just want to get along with the coffin and take the money. Now Michael O'Keefe, he's dressed up in a uniform, as us civilians would say. But do you know, as a citizen, like what feel, what uh, branch of uh, military service he's representing? And if by chance this widow is the same? This, this to thing. me, it looks like he's an Air Force person, and he's got the stripes of a sergeant. That's what it looks like to me. I think that's an Air Force uniform. Is it green or blue? If it's green, it's an Army uniform. 
Oh, I gotcha. Might be blue. It's kind of washed out, and I get a blue vibe off of that. So that's why I was thinking it was Air Force. Right, because you go in the sky, which is blue. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Navy is white, Army is green, uh, Air Force is blue. Navy is green, right? No. For the water. No, Navy is white. <laughs> Oh man, what a so what, armies on the ground, so they have green for grass and navies, you know, blue, you know, they're in the sky, so they have okay. So anyway, they're going straight to, you know, where is the mother? She's in prostrate. No, right. pro yeah, prostate, prostate. And she goes, You mean prostrate? They're going straight to the 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 graveyard to bury the body, which is just weird you know that's not the way you do it you have a wake first well they couldn't wake they were waiting they were waking outside the whole time uh-huh so he got thrown off the train our bad guy and now he's trying to steal a car you know he's basically got it he thinks he's trying to get to new york to intercept that coffin that's what he thinks he needs to do There's five million dollars in it for him but he doesn't know that the coffin is now at the southern town. Right, Nebraska. It's now in, let's see, what was the name? of the, It's the fictional town of High River, Nebraska. Fictional? Yeah. There's no real town like that? No, there is no High River, Nebraska. Now, there's one scene, and I don't want to ruin it, even though I love to spoil things ruin for you. It. No, I'm not doing it. But you can see they're in the town of Vulcan, Alberta, and you can see Vulcan on things. Oh. And they just said, yeah. screw it. Let's just finish this movie. I'm not Listen, doing halfway there. I feel like we are halfway through this movie. We we are. We're further than that. Yeah. We're we're in Act Three now. Because I don't know what else they can do. Is there anything else they can do? Well, they don't have the money, do they? No, but I mean, so they have to get the money. Guess where the money is? Six feet under. Right. So they got to be grave robbers now, of course. Of course. And they have to maintain this lie that I was married to him. I am the the chapel chaplain of him. I am the... So... Here comes, why did you tell me you were married, Jim Carrey? Smack! I'm not! 